0: Welcome back to another No Regrets Marriage podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Morton, and I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Carla, and we're glad that you're taking time out of your day and week to uh, spend time with us. Uh, For a lot of you, and I'm sure that you're aware, those who might be listening to this, that, hey, the the church, the body of Christ suffered a, a big loss in the past weeks. And by the time we drop this podcast, it'll be probably a couple of weeks. But Tim Keller, who is just for a lot of people, has been a powerful influence uh, in the Christian world, and especially in the church, and especially in a in a way of somebody who was man did not compromise with the gospel at all but was able to engage the culture that we live in in a unique way and that his was a voice that was heard and uh, had that unique ability to uh, really stand out and speak out against sin but to really love people and to love the sinner the way that God does and so last weekend the weekend that Tim Keller died I had a conversation with my son and And he was just talking about how emotional he was when he heard that he died and just how big a part of his faith journey Tim Keller had been. And it caused me to think back to some of the voices that I still carried around in my head from really even the days of my youth. Hmm. And um and so what we thought is, would take a little journey of some of those voices, and I think probably everybody out there, you've got those certain people that, whether you read them or listened to them, that the things they said just resonated with you, depending on where you were in your faith journey at the time. And so we want to share about some of those, but then we want to talk about the importance in marriage, uh, being careful of the voices you listen to. And so we will uh, we will get to that Scarlett. So when you think back and for me I can think back to different stages of life and that's what I did there were certain people in in my mind was there anyone even as you were a child that you think a child? of? Yeah.
1: Um no, probably probably really my parents and specifically my mom would have probably been the voice in my head and would have been a lot of my faith foundation. So, uh, yeah.
0: One, one of my lasting memories uh, was Billy Graham. And I, I don't know why, and I, if, I, if I can remember right, I think it was a time when my dad was away working away and be coming home and we'd go pick him up on like, I forget what night, but when going back, it was Sunday nights. would take him back to the bus station. He'd be driving, riding the bus all night long, mm. staying with his family as long as he could. And Billy Graham would be on. On the radio. On the radio. And I can remember every time we in the car listening to Billy Graham. <laughs> Billy Graham and George Beverly Shea singing How Great That <laughs>
1: And
0: And both of those they just echo in my head in
1: your head you can still hear them
0: uh yeah I still can I mean I wish I could sing like George Beverly Shea but I can definitely hear his voice in my head so probably my one of my earliest childhood memories is that and listening to Billy Graham preach in that sort of that unique accent and the way that he had of speaking and just how powerful he was yeah um as time goes on, as we move on, I think back to, I guess, my, uh, what about high school years? Is there anybody there? I know you talked about, obviously, your mom's had a big impact.
1: Um, probably Dawson McAllister, which is really probably aging me. But that would have been somebody within the Christian world when I was a teenager that would have had a ministry directed toward teens and working with you know youth ministers and things like that. So I really do remember thinking he was, and again, this is, you know, within the time frame of when I would have been a teenager, but that that was that their presentation and their connecting with teenagers and examples and the way they looked and talked and everything about them was really pretty different from most of your pastors that are preachers that you saw on Sunday morning. And so they were pretty hip and cool, if you would. And so, but man, powerful. And so I do remember a lot of that, hearing them, reading their material, things like that.
0: Yeah, I remember Dawson McAllister. I used to, when I was even first a youth minister, I took my kids to yeah, hear him multiple times at multiple retreats. For me, probably a big one is when I read the sort of the journal of Jim Elliott a shadow of the Almighty that his wife put together. But Jim Elliott, the missionary who, along with the others, back in, I guess it was the 50s or something, was killed in South America. And, you know, the line that probably most people associate with him, it says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Mm. And that is just one of those, maybe a foundational verse of, statement a truth in my life when I was young yeah and it was this idea that when I read it that everything he did was built around that purpose yeah of doing whatever God wanted him to do And, and and that just talked about and to me it was just that idea that hey your faith isn't just something you do on Sundays but it is everything in your life is built around that relationship uh, as we move on, how about young adulthood?
1: Um, and again, I don't know if this was young adulthood or middle adulthood, but the only book, uh, and I know this, a lot the only of people, book you read, the only book <laughs> I've ever read, I'm fixing to tell you all about it. Um, the only book I've ever read twice, except God's word is, um, Philip Yancey's book called "Disappointed with
0: God. Uh. And I forget you were a young adult when we had Zach.
1: Yes. And so for me, a lot of my journey as a young adult, middle adult was built around really that very faith shaking event of having Zach, having a child um, that was born with, you know, congenital heart defect, having a child who would ultimately have a long um, period of suffering and doctors and the whole thing and then ultimately we he would die at the age of 18 and that you know that's one of those things in my life that really shaped my faith and a lot of it was wrapping my mind around what do you do with things when you are disappointed with god yeah. so it's a powerful book and i probably can't quote one line but i have scenes in my brain that are seared from the stories and the things he told. And I just, I got some of it. And it just sort of seals some big pieces for me. And so I would say that was somebody that, um, that God used and God used, you know, the way he wrote, um, to really help me build that foundation.
0: I think back in, you know, probably one of the people that that, and this was something because they gave us this book to read. I remember our D group when I was in high school.
1: Uh, D for those of you <laughs> discipleship. That discipleship. Group. I was going to coach. Uh,
0: Watchman Nee, the normal Christian life. Yeah. And it was so over me at that moment in time, but it's incredibly challenging, and I, I just became a big fan of Watchman Nee and. You know, there's all sorts of quotes I remembered. One of them is, uh, hey, good is not always God's will, but God's will is always good. Good. Mm. And and that's something that, you know, because we have, we've dealt with a lot of challenges in our life, some of them out of our control, some of them that we created for ourselves. And yet no one... That even the hard things that God allows or even brings into our lives, it's part of His goodness, yeah. Um, uh, through college years, Josh McDowell,
1: you went was, backwards, I think. In I know, I, age. Did. Okay, I did okay, just yeah, and yeah, I did age, and I did age. Well, yeah, watch me
0: now continue, and I've even passed that on to my yeah, children. True, uh, Josh McDowell in college was really big because for the first time
1: evidence of I was, Yeah,
0: evidence that demands a verdict, a verdict yeah yeah evidence demands a verdict for the first of my life people began to challenge why do you believe what, what you, you believe?
1: believe
0: yeah and i didn't really know mm. i just did because that's the way i've been taught and you know josh mcdowell was at that time one of the first i really hadn't gotten into c.s lewis yet he even did it before with mere christianity um But that it was reasonable and rational to believe in God. And there were good reasons to believe that the Bible was true. There were good reasons to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And most important that the resurrection did happen. Yeah. And as Paul said, if the resurrection didn't happen, then our faith is in vain. And so to to find out that it wasn't just this blind faith that God called us to, but it was a reasoned faith and uh that was palpable for me in my in my walk uh who are some other people that you can think of
1: well coming I would, more modern I as we grew probably, up and got older i know probably john piper is someone that i can hear in my head a little bit um and from listening to him on podcast and um the, him speaking and writing so and then I would I would just say, probably for me, there's been a sprinkling of a number of other people that um, I've just gotten little pieces of something. I know sometimes people do have a few people that are the main people they love to glean truth from, yeah. and that are is really challenging to them. And then I think other times we may read a whole book, and the book may really be good but there may be one or two sentences that are our takeaways. So when you think about it that way, you may have multiple people through the years that you read, and hopefully you do, and you read different kind of authors. Um, I'm probably really limited on this compared to you, Johnny. You read a lot more than I do, Um, but... Like I said, I've only read one book. The same. No, I mean no, no, I've read. Wait, no, no, no. I meant no. I've I've only read one book twice. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> so you probably read some books I thought before. You just said you up.
0: reread this book. No, you're doing now. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, obviously Piper was. Piper's been big in my life too, and thinking, and and probably that whole verse about that God's most glorified when we're most satisfied in Him. Yeah. And talking about that whole concept of, as Cole talks about, that Christian hedonism of being delighted in God in the way that he's delighted in us.
1: And that's that's really revolutionary if you've never listened to him or you've never read any of his stuff. Um, You might want to check that out because that's a pretty cool concept to begin to get how glorified God is when we are just thrilled with him. Yeah. And so that's a neat thing. I think another one for both of us and might sort of bring us into circling toward um, thinking about, again, our the voices in our head and the influences is probably Gary Thomas. Yeah. And Gary Thomas is a well-known author. A pastor has been at, you know, numerous churches across the country and writer. And probably two of the books he he has written that were super powerful in my life um, was Sacred Marriage oh. and Sacred Parenting. And he also has several others that are around sort of Sacred Search. So if you're dating, that kind of thing. But man, Sacred Marriage and Sacred Parenting can really help you see that in a totally new light so I probably have Gary Thomas in my head a lot too because we have read a lot of his stuff and um, we really think he's on point with his teaching on marriage and and all the um, that information that's out there so I would say we both kind of share that
0: yeah I think Gary Thomas for sure I think of it immediately I think of the idea what if God's desire is not that you be happy but that marriage is to make you holy Holy, yeah and we talk a lot about that, that it is maybe the relationship that God uses more than any other to transform and sanctify us.
1: And I've heard him since subsequently in in saying that statement you just said in, in more recent books or talks um, that we've heard him give. And he references that. And he said... I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to be happy in your marriage. He does. And I've written a whole bunch of stuff about that. He said, but my point was to give you the perspective that God's ultimate goal for each and every one of his children is to transform us into his image. Mm. And in doing that, he's going to use the closest relationship we have in this life. And that's first and foremost going to be the marriage and really probably second, the parenting and so our children and how that impacts us but so i think for me when i think about voices in my head and what has influenced me spiritually those would be a lot of the answers but i also think when you're just talking about voices um my mom and dad are really strongly in my head
0: they're in my head as well i mean <laughs> I mean to be honest, because we've been married almost forty years, time. yeah,
1: and, and you, so my mom thinks of you like another child. They've been
0: a huge part of my life. I do see them. As, I see them as my parents,
1: but I but I have them in my head and meaning when I think of a certain thing, I have my mom sort of in certain ways and my dad in other ways, and I can hear him saying, evaluating something the way he would when I'm thinking about how to handle something. And my mom the same way. And so many of those pieces of information and words they've said are stuck there. And they really have molded me.
0: And, and I think one thing that we've both been blessed with is that connection to our families and the words that were spoken to us and over oh, us right. while we were in those up. growing years, and developmental years, in those formation years, that for the most part, were very positive and encouraging. Yes. And one of the things that we've seen, and we've said this in the, the very beginning, and whenever we talk with couples, inevitably, one of the things that comes up is the impact of family. Yeah. You know, we've talked before about one of the myths is this idea that, hey, when you get married, you leave all that stuff behind. You don't.
1: No, and you don't marry just the person you marry. You yeah, really family do comes marry, with them. Well, you marry so the imprinted parts of your what your spouse's family of origin has imprinted. And yeah, well, again, Not just the
0: imprinted, but also, we'll talk a little bit about the imprinted, but also all the stuff that goes on in that family currently is gonna impact yes you.
1: of course. I was thinking more of the idea of just the, the
0: voices in what's your head. in our
1: head and that really that is the case. And again, you may be listening and thinking, well heck fire, I don't have that or my voices in my head from my mom or dad or step parent or whomever we're not, good. were not good. And so how do you address that when somebody says that, Johnny?
0: Yeah, part of that is you know, some of that a whole idea of that transformation process of us becoming like Christ is, you know, Paul said that you have to renew your mind. And literally it's changing the way that we think and learning in some ways to filter out those voices. And here's the problem. For most of the time, so many of those things that were spoken over us were not true. Yeah. It is um, just that whole idea. Sorry about that, folks. Um, Just that whole idea, some of the things we've heard from other people of, you know, you can't do it. You're no good. You're not worth anything. Uh, You're nothing but trouble. Uh, I wish you were something else. I wish you'd been a boy. I wish you'd been a girl. Um, You'll never amount to anything. Uh, You'll never measure up. Just all those things, and those are the things, you know, going back to that, the power of the tongue, those are things, you know, Paul says, hey, your words can bring life or they can bring death.
1: And of course, the challenge is when you're, when we're growing up in our formative years, we don't understand and we don't have the ability to filter any of that out. A five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old doesn't have the capability to write then and there process, you know, this may not be truth. I may not need to let this stick. I may not need to believe this about myself. Because they don't they can't do that at that point. And so those things that come over us are part of that imprinting. And the challenge is as we grow and we're thinking and we're processing and we're realizing we gotta listen first and hear what is the voice in your head saying to you. And if it is not truth
0: And that's where you've gotta you've gotta measure it by what scripture yeah. says because that is the ultimate truth.
1: So if you've been told you're not worthy, you weren't wanted, you're not precious, you're not, you know, special, you're not beloved, those are not true statements because the God of the universe believes and thinks every single one of those things about you. And so resetting those thoughts is never going to be easy, but if we don't want to stay captive, to something that gets in our head that begins to impact us. And as we see a lot in relationships, what has been spoken over us, what we have believed, those voices, they begin to come out in the way we interact with somebody else. So if I wasn't taught or loved in a way that I feel secure about that, then I probably don't have very loving, secure ability to make connections with my spouse and that's going to become evident at some point probably sooner than later but in the relationship that you know there's some barriers here because of that
0: yeah you even think about the fact that oftentimes the way we respond in conflict and yes. sort of you're getting it there is oftentimes it's because of those patterns were set early those things that were said and how we react but also just how we react when other people say things to us, that filter of the voices in our past, Yeah. that suddenly when someone may just be making a yes, just matter-of-fact statement yeah. or comment, all of a sudden we see that as a put-down, an attack, uh, or a recapitulation of that idea that we're not good enough. Yeah, and um, so it
1: just sort of feeds that if we're not aware of what's happening. And so one of the first things I think we have to do is realize what is the voice, assess that, and is it truth or not? If it's not truth, we've got to begin to write and put a new voice, a new tape has got to replace that old tape. If you keep replaying the old tape, then you're going to continue to walk in those patterns and beliefs that are not truth.
0: Yeah, and I, I love the, the verse. I can't. I wish I knew it. it is exactly, but it talks about the washing of the word and how that ultimately that's where we have to go. We go to the word and we look at, okay, what does God say about me? Yeah. And those are some really powerful things. And if that's where you are, man, go to Psalm 139.
1: Talk about how wonderfully and fearfully we're made. That you were
0: made because God designed you the way that you are. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. It's not... A defect. Yeah, it's not a defect. Even though you may feel that way, and even though people may have told you you were defective. I think another place to go to is, um, I think, the book of Colossians. I think when we see what Christ has done for us suddenly we understand that our worth is found in that, that Jesus found us worthy to die for, that Jesus found us worthy to transform, that, hey, we are in Christ, we are forgiven, we are transformed, we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. We are now called the sons and daughters of God.
1: And when you think about it, that really, if somebody had the other first words that we said, and you begin to allow God to transform that and give you that truth and free you, and you begin to see yourself based on what God says about you and what is true, how freeing that would be for then for you to start to learn a new way to love and connect and be in relationship. And it's not easy, though. And many times this does require the help of a good solid counselor, somebody that can help them navigate. One of the things you and I were talking about the other day is that we're living in a world where more and more and more we have got people coming from homes that they would describe, self-describe as it wasn't that healthy. There were a lot of um, unhealthy behaviors There were a lot of things that were not really great in my home of origin. And so within that, they're recognizing that, but it doesn't mean it's easy to change those. But man, there's so many more resources today than say even 30 years ago. And we know such so many more things about that and how to really put a new pattern in place.
0: So listen to those voices. What are they? Are they voices that, as Scripture says, let everything that comes out of our mouth be that which builds up and encourages? Are those voices that are still in your head verses that end up really diminishing you and put you down? Yeah, Uh, Man, if that's where you are and you're struggling with that, man, learn and listen to what God says about you. And the other thing to think about is if you're parents, what are the voices that your children are going to hear. Mm. Man, are you taking that time? I'm not talking about fluffing up, but are you taking time to speak words of encouragement over them? I'll end with this this sort of last little story because I thought it was such a cool thing, and I may have related it before. We had, on our trip to the Holy Land, uh, I had a chance. Carla was sick. I had a chance to go to a Shabbat meal, dinner, in, a, in one of the Jewish homes. And one of the most precious things, and this is something they do every Shabbat service. So for those of you who know, Shabbat every Friday evening at dinner. And that is each parent before the meal began, they laid their hands on their children and prayed a prayer of blessing and encouragement on oh. them. I thought, how cool to have a lifetime of that. Uh, yeah, And so I don't care what age your children are, mm-hmm. if they're just little tiny still in the crib, or even if they're as old as my children are, man, take time to speak words of encouragement. And maybe if you didn't do so in the past, and we've all made mistakes, boy, there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. Yep. Yeah. So on that note, uh, we just encourage you to keep on forging.